This is Eastman's Elevated Podcast. I have on great guests that are really knowledgeable, consistently successful. We're able to dive deep down the rabbit holes of these different subject matters of shooting, of physical fitness, of mental toughness and drive. All the different skills that make up a complete hunter that you can become. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So on today's podcast, I have on Zach Ellis uh, from PN Wild. Uh, so this has been a long time coming. I've been watching these guys' content over the years. They make some great videos. They have a podcast as well. And I'm going to get the whole crew on there. But I started off having Zach Ellis on and um, made for a super interesting conversation. Like these guys are consistently successful in a tough state. They also travel to other western states. Uh, so I just wanted to tap into that and um, see how they're finding success in these tough places. And, um, you know, the the answer definitely didn't surprise me, but it made for a super interesting conversation just all about uh, grit and uh, about persistence and um, all those traits that uh, help make us guys successful. So a great conversation. I think you guys will enjoy it. So Zach Ellis is the guest. We'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple sponsors. So I want to thank Everly Stock Packs. I've been using Everly Stock for the last few years. And what Everly Stock does is they make a durable pack that packs the weight right. And um, it's going to hold up to the abuse. And it also has like a good price point on it. It doesn't break the bank. So you can get a different pack for all different uses. So uh, they have like the Vapor series that'll go on the mainframe where you can switch out packs from the 2,500 cubic inch, 5,000, and even 7,500. Uh, you can really uh, use the meat shelf in it and you can secure the load tight to the backpack. So I'll use that pack. I also like some of just their um, their their softer packs or their uh, internal frame backpacks. Uh, like I, I like their little big top. Uh, I use for my expedition trips, I'll use their destroyer pack. And then last year I started using the Kite 4800 and um, I really like that pack as well. I use that one a bunch for expedition style trips too. And the Kite Day Pack is great. So if you're in the market for a new pack, make sure to check those guys out over Everly Stock. I also want to thank Forever Barnwood. So Forever Barnwood... Uh, it appeals to my construction side of things. So I'm in my custom house now. And if you guys watch the videos, you see some of the custom doors in the backdrop or custom trim. That's all from Forever Barnwood. It's just superior quality. And they use new pine so everything comes straight and true. And then they have a process to make it look old with circle sawn marks in it. Or you can get a weathered look in it. Uh, they have a couple different colors, like their 100-year-old color is what I used. And then um, they just have all different products. So in my house, I used custom box beams inside. I used the shiplap for the back of my bar. I used um, base and case trim, which is just amazingly straight and true. And then all those custom doors. And the doors, 
it just comes in at such a good price point as compared to alder or something like that that you have to put stain on and then you have to put a couple clear coats this comes already done uh, i built all my custom closets out of this stuff it's just amazing i just placed a big order for a custom home that i'm finishing up that's going to be amazing here in the madison valley so it's a great western look uh, it also looks good in a contemporary house as well, just with like highlight walls and things of that nature. But check them out. Uh, the company's Forever Barnwood. Uh, all the lots of wood match. Straight, easy to work with. Just a great company and a great product. So thanks to those guys for their support. I also want to thank Black Ovis. Black Ovis is the internet retail shop that has absolutely everything you need for your next hunt. They carry all the top name brands as well as their own name brand. Uh, you can save a, a pile of money. Like you can save 10% on your order if you put in the code ELEVATED10. Uh, but yeah, sleeping bags, uh, tents. It's like every year I like to look at my gear and come up with a couple items that I want to upgrade. And to save 10% on those items, to get it from a company that supports us sportsmen, put their dollars behind us, also has a knowledgeable staff that can answer questions. Of course, you can do returns if you don't get the product you need or it doesn't fit right. Uh, just a great company, and we really appreciate their support over at Black Ovis. Again, that promo code is ELEVATED10. And also check out Camo Fire. Camo Fire is an app with 80 new hunting deals that come up every 24 hours. A lot of it is overstocked items or uh, um, items that they're trying to get rid of, but you can get it at a huge discount, up to 80% off. So you can check out those guys by downloading the app, watch those deals come up, and save a pile of money. I know a couple of my buddies are really uh, addicted to the app uh, because they're able to get such good deals on stuff, and so they're always showing up with... Um, new stuff that they picked up off camo fire so check those guys out a bunch of cool items that come up top name brands as well on there and with that over at eastman's yeah we're working hard we've got that mule deer course we're trying to add to that mule deer course so uh, i've got a video that we're going to put up uh, boning out a deer from start to finish um, kind of how i process those deer everybody does it a little bit different but it's the uh, gutless method um, how i Take the quarters, the back straps, tenderloins, uh, how I um, uh, bone those quarters out, things of that nature. So we're going to be adding to the mule deer course. It's sure to shorten your learning curve. There's over 100 videos. It's like a video format. Really proud how it came together. It's absolutely everything I know about traveling and hunting mule deer. So you can put in the promo code BRIANMDC. That'll save you 10% and uh, get you a gift if we've got any left in there. And um, yeah, also check out the Elk Collective. We're starting to work with those guys and add some content onto the Elk Collective and try to make it as good as we can make it. So uh, I'm going to be going through the Elk Collective myself here and seeing where we can add to different points. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, new venture and being part of that so you can check that out check out uh, Eastman's tag hub uh, that's our internet resource for finding tags as we're in application season now it, it's just good to use these different platforms and get different opinions on these units to try to figure out where the best units out west are to hunt uh, so there's a, a bunch of um, a bunch of statistics and odds uh, so like so much information about each unit uh, and it's compiled every year by our knowledgeable staff like I just got done reading the Arizona elk one getting ready to apply for Arizona elk 
and um, super excited. Hopefully, I can get lucky and draw a tag there, or Wyoming, or someplace um, fun and go chase some big bulls. But check that out, Eastman's Tag Hub. Of course, check out our magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal, uh, our videos, uh, Eastman's uh, uh, Hunting TV on YouTube, and um, yeah, I think I, I think that's everything we're working on. Uh, me myself, just in the off season here, working on tags and applications, trying to line up my season for next year. Uh, really been working with that new lift a bunch, trying to get that thing. Well, not trying. I have got that thing shooting so well. Uh, so super pumped on that thing and starting to take it outside and um, build sight tapes and um, get that thing all ready to rock and roll. So already building a ton of trust in it. Can't wait to use it for this season. And, uh, of course, getting my physical exercise in. It was bitter cold here for a while, still getting my runs in. And um, now it's starting to warm up, running in the mud now instead of the snow, and uh, hopefully dry dirt here before long. So, um, yeah, just uh, uh, keeping my head down, getting my work done, really looking forward to the Western Hunting Expo. We'll be there. I'm going to record a couple podcasts there. So I'll be there all four days. Uh, so if you guys are there, make sure to stop in and say hi. And, um Man, with that, let's get into this podcast. It's a great one. Uh, so Zach Ellis from P and Wild. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. All right. So we'll do. I'll do an intro and an ending to like um, you know, before the podcast to introduce you and the guys. But yeah, uh, fortunate to have you on the podcast, man. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to do it, and then uh, I think it's been a long time coming. Yeah. Oh, dude, hundred percent. Yeah, I want to get all you guys on. Like, a uh, you had the yeah. idea of bringing multiple guests on, which would have been fun too. But I think having um, all you guys on separately will work good as well. Yeah, yeah, it'll work good, and it actually worked out well because Jeff got sick this week, so he's like out of it right now. Oh man, he's man down, huh? Oh yeah, he's down for the count right. Oh. Now, so. And men are the biggest babies when we get sick too, aren't we? <laughs> Oh, Jeff's already a pretty big baby, so when he's sick, I'm sure it's even worse. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, yeah, well, um, uh, P and Wild, man, you guys have created a great brand. So, like, uh, three of you guys, really good buddies that started this brand. Yep. When did you guys start out? We kind of kicked off, um, like, loosely in 2016. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff and I were both trying to draw the same archery elk tag. And we didn't know each other at all. We just happened to meet on a, a hunting forum for Washington and kind of learned that we were similar age, looking at the same unit and started just kind of bouncing ideas off of each other about like scouting and this and that. And if we draw the tag, kind of what are we going to do? And he ended up drawing it that year. I did not. And I was just like, well, I'll still go with you. You know, like I'm still down. Like there's still over the counter opportunities in that unit for spike or a cow um, and so I was like, let's, let's try and do this, you know? And so we met in a Safeway parking lot for the first time ever, and then went off into the mountains for a weekend scouting trip. And that's how we got to know each other was just through that completely. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we hit it off. Our styles were really similar. Like we wanted to just like push it, go far, go hard and just spent all summer setting cameras, checking them you know, finding wallows, digging them out, you know, exposing more water and, and doing all that work and stuff. And, uh, then came season, came hunting season. And I met Bob for the first time at the trailhead the day before season started. Um, Jeff and Bob had known each other already. They worked together. They had hunted together in the past. 
And so I met Bob for the first time there at the trailhead and off we went for like four days of archery elk hunting. Uh, we ended up, Bob ended up killing his first elk, a, a cow, uh, the second day. And then, uh, Jeff and I doubled later on in the hunt. I shot a spike in the morning. We packed that out to camp. And then that evening, Jeff shot his bull. And so we had a super successful season and we were just like, eh, maybe something works here, you know? And, and Jeff wanted to film that hunt just for like, just to have it. Like we didn't really even have the aspirations of like YouTube and things like that at that point. He just wanted to do it for, you know, to be able to watch it back and like show his kids and, and things like that. And so like he had a camera and then I like borrowed a GoPro from a buddy and that's like all we had at first. And we just kind of went for it and just kind of played around and made a little film out of it, got some good footage and got some cool like elk encounters and stuff like that. And so that's the very first video we ever did. And he ended up, I think, I think we created the YouTube channel, like either early 2017, somewhere in that 2017 range. And, uh, just kind of went from there. I ended up drawing that tag the following season. And then I also drew a quality Washington deer tag that season. So 2017 was a really good season for me. I drew both quality elk and quality deer here in Washington. And so we filmed both of those hunts and that was kind of the, the Kickstarter to like, Oh, like I think we could do some stuff with the, with the YouTube and like making the films. Jeff was really like, he, he took it on himself to learn how to edit films and do all that. Like he still does all of that for us. And, uh, so like he just really like nose dove into that and just, just loves it. And so like, he's always constantly trying to be better and, you know, we're trying to up our game at all times. And mm -hmm. so it's just, it's been super fun. It's super rewarding. It's very mm -hmm. challenging, um, to film everything and, and get all that stuff while also trying to like stay in the hunt. Um, but it makes it really, really cool to be able to like watch it back later and like see all that stuff, like whether it's video or like the still imagery and stuff like that. And just like having those high quality photos and everything else is just really cool. Um, so that's kind of how we got started. And then we just kind of kept building from there. And we were like, well, you know, podcasting is getting pretty popular. Like we're kind of entertaining. Jeff's a total character. So like he's built for podcasting. And so like we, we dove into that and have our podcast going now and have some like merch stuff like branding and everything like that with hats and clothing. And we made our own like custom knife with a local knife maker here. Um, and so we just kind of been building that way and just kind of, you know, trying to do it as organically and naturally as possible. We all three we still have day jobs, you know, we're all still working and, you know, Jeff and Bob are married with kids. And so they got families to support and, you know, all that. So, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a passion project that we hope to potentially, you know, build into a, a full-time gig at some point. Mm -hmm. Good on you guys, man. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it is um just a progression of things. Like, um you know, first off, it's like, some of the guys that we meet and hunt with like the it seems like the friendships are like forged in fire like you go share an adventure with somebody and definitely oh, yeah. a tighter bond and it it seems like you know for the most part when you meet somebody that loves to do what you do like you have that in common they're usually like a really good solid individuals that you want to be friends with too you know yep. so yeah good yeah. on you guys and then yeah to start filming your hunts 
man, it's tough. Like, not only the added degree of difficulty of trying to capture it on film, but I remember starting out, and they'd turn the camera on, and I'd forget how to talk, or I'd forget how to form sentences or whatever. It's like you turn that camera on, and you almost feel like a million people are watching you, even (laughs) though it is just a camera that your buddy's holding, you know? And then it also... It's like tough to tell that story too, right? It's like you got to be able to condense time. And I originally thought like, man, I am doing the coolest adventure hunts. If I could just film them, I would make the best films of all time. And then I get home and I look at my footage and try to put together my shaky, crappy footage or whatever. I'm like, oh, man, this this barely makes a film or anything. It's like uh, you just have to keep learning as you go. And, like, editing really helps for sure. Like um, Jeff being the editor, like, then he knows which shots he needs to get. And then he's also, like, attached to the storyline as well, you know, which is good. But, um, man, it's like wanting to film your hunts and make a go at it. It's a bit like wanting to be a movie star. It's like something that that everybody wants that's really tough to obtain, but you almost just like have to get started doing it like you guys did. Like, you know, yep. the first videos get a few views and you kind of build upon that and try to build a better product and um, try to keep putting it out there and, and um, hope hope that it resonates with the audience. And I think the thing that resonates too is that – you know, you guys are are blue collar guys, like have jobs and um and, and you're hunting, you know, public land and draw hunts the same thing that we're all hunting, and so that way there's such like a common thread. But it has to be difficult, like trying to build an outdoor film career, like in a tough state like Washington. And I know you guys travel, but um, yeah. man, it's got to be tough. Like like Washington isn't known for having a bunch of trophies around every tree. No. No, that, that is a big challenge. Um, I think really, you know, like touching on, you know, we're kind of blue collar guys. We can relate to a lot of just like normal, just everyday hunters because that's what we started out as. And that's what we still truly are. And when we kind of got going, there really wasn't anyone in Washington doing content in Washington. And I think that that really helped, you know, kind of get us off that, off the ground level was because finally people, all the hunters and outdoorsmen here in Washington had someone to like watch, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's all the other big names that are hunting all the great states in the West, but there wasn't anyone doing anything in Washington other than like Phelps and those guys were doing some stuff early on. And then like our buddy Samung over on the East side, he does a lot too. And we kind of all started, you know, me and us and Samung kind of started around the same time as start, as far as picking things up. And so it just like gave people here something to relate to. You know, they got to watch us film ourselves going out in Washington and struggling, you know, and just being like trying to find, you know, like for forever. We've never really passed on legal bucks in Washington. Like, you know, everywhere we hunt, it's three pointer, three pointer better. And so it's just tough. Like, you know, we've grown up meat hunters. Like, you know, I grew up hunting southeast Washington whitetails. And, you know, you didn't shoot, you you didn't pass a three point if it came out, you know, mm-hmm. like that just wasn't anything that you did. And same with like our mule deer and stuff up, in, up in the North Cascades or wherever it's, it's hard to like look at a legal buck and not pull that trigger. Cause you may only get that one chance all season long. And so, you know, like, yes, trying to film hunts and film successful hunts. Cause in the end people want to watch a successful hunt here in Washington does make it tough, but, uh, yeah, it, we've, we've been fortunate to be pretty successful. Um, we 
grind really hard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's only one of us that tags out. And, and then we've had a few hunts where, you know, we've all tagged out on backcountry deer hunts. And those were kind of the some of the other things that really kicked us off is we had some really successful. We have a season here in Washington called the High Buck Hunt. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, wilderness only areas. Um, September 15th is when it starts with a rifle. And uh, we had uh, two hunts. Uh, one was a group of four of us, me, Jeff, Bob, and our buddy Pat. And uh, we went in, backpacked in like eight miles, all four filled our tags, and then all had and packed everything out one big haul all the way back. And so that was a big successful hunt. We had like a movie night event up here and stuff like that. And uh, then they went back a couple years later, and they went three for three again on that same hunt back in there. And so, you know, we've had some really good success as far as that goes. And then I think, um, you know, we've kind of cut our teeth on Washington bear hunting because it's it's really underrated across the West. Like if you want to black bear hunt like in the fall, Washington is is something is a place that needs to be on people's radar because we have a lot of bears and there's a lot of opportunity to come here and do it. And so that's kind of one of our big like things that we promote is like, hey, bear hunting is a viable thing. It's it's an important aspect. And it's a lot of fun, and they taste phenomenal when they're just up in the alpine eating blueberries all day long. Mm-hmm. Like they're, it's just so fun. And so, you know, like that's another, that's another big, big world that we've kind of dove into is that fall bear hunting here in Washington since we lost our spring bear season. Um, so we will go out of state for spring bear, and then we we really hammer Washington bears in the fall. Oh, good for you guys. Like <clears throat> a lot of living this life is like taking advantage of the opportunities right around you. And you can sit and make excuses why it's not good or complain about the hunting or you can get out and you can go bust your butt and you can go make something happen. And and, and yep. like the the universal thing is the ability to grind. And it's wild. Like, you know, Washington, you're also, you know, you don't have long seasons. You're not going to get nope. as much uh, experience like stalking game, seeing game, like, uh, you know, which is all great teachers, but the ability to get out there and go grind on in and it, it, it never really gets any easier. It doesn't seem like it seems like our knowledge gets better, you know, of different mm-hmm. areas or places or skill sets, like we can improve in that way, but you still always have to be willing to go out and grind, like to go out, put on miles, put on elevation, nasty weather, continue to glass, continue to put the effort forth. But if you put the effort forth, there's like still really good hunting and opportunities, you know, in these lesser known states like Washington and even across the more popular states across the West. And then, you know, um, uh, you know, Oregon has got some good hunting, uh, uh, Dakotas, Nebraska, Kansas, some of that stuff. Like there's some good opportunities there, you know, not to mention the core states of so the Montana and Wyoming and Idaho and things. So like, mm-hmm. um, good on you guys. I, I, I bet you guys do have a pretty good grind meter, like, uh, in Washington <laughs> state, like, uh, quite a bit of effort put forth, I imagine. Yep, quite a bit of effort, and I think there's a lot of patience that goes into Washington because we can, you know, we have some very long glassing sessions um, without spotting some animals from time to time, or you know, you get to like you think you have a spot dialed, and you're like, oh yeah, my e scouting, it's perfect, you know, like all this, it's going to be great, and you get in there, and there's just nothing, you know, and it's it's tough sometimes. You get into a spot like it just looks like it should be phenomenal, and it's like. 
can't turn anything up or you can turn up just like a handful of does or something like that. And it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. now I gotta, I gotta keep going. I gotta go somewhere yeah. else. I gotta keep grinding and, and pack up and move. And, you know, it's just, it's tough, man. Like, and, and it is not, it's not something to, you know, go in with kind of like lightheartedness, mm-hmm. you know, like you need to go in there with the like idea, like this is going to hurt. This is going to be hard. And, uh, especially here on public land, like if you've got private access, it's like anywhere else, like that's, that's phenomenal and, and can be great. You know, if you, if you have a great spot that gives you private access and, you know, limits that and stuff like that, you can have a great hunt here in Washington too. You know, like there's plenty of opportunity in that world, but if you're a public land hunter here, you're going to have to push and you're going to have to go hard. Mm hmm. Well, it's like similar to all Western hunting, you know, and maybe you guys have a little bit higher degree of difficulty with lower densities, uh, not mm. as many trophy animals around. But it seems like that way across the West, like it's tough just to pick a state and then throw a dart on a map and go find good hunting. It seems like, oh, yeah. you know, deer densities or elk densities, you know, they're in pockets of country, like even in, in good units in you know, to be honest, like the, the best units are like high point units that, I mean, I still have never had a coveted elk tag. Like I just, you know, I'm hunt all general season or easy draw tags. And so like mm-hmm. a lot of these better units that you can draw where possibly, you know, you could guarantee these better densities are seeing more deer. It's like, now I got to go out and grind with the rest of everybody and, and figure out a state. And then, you know, like through e-scouting or through breaking down units and statistics and odds, you, you know, in landscape, you kind of pick a unit. It doesn't always work out. Or sometimes you get there and it's like getting punched in the face. You're like, oh, there's no oh, deer yeah. here. Like I did a deer hunt this year in a new state, new place. And like you say, you know, we always go so heavy on the e-scouting and, you know, I really like boots to ground, but I didn't have a chance to get out there. So I'd e-scouted this spot and I'm like, ah, oh, man, this looks good. And, and uh, it was kind of like a, uh, like a butte spot that these deer really like and timber and big draws and looked like rough, rugged country, a lot of country that was roadless. And I dove in there. I couldn't find a deer or a track to save my life. Like it just was the wrong spot. But mm. luckily through e-scouting, you know, I had a plan B and plan C and I, I think eventually my plan C or D ended up working out. I started finding deer and then you like learn as much by not seeing deer as you do seeing deer. And, and just mm-hmm. like you stated before, like sometimes you get to a perfect spot, whether it's perfect high country or whatever habitat you're hunting and you get there and, and it looks perfect and there should be animals there. And there's just not like the, yep. you know, those bucks, those basins that they like, you know, a lot of times you have to look over 10 basins that look similar or really bucky to find the one that has the bucks in it, you know? So yep. it's, it's like I, you guys definitely have like a high degree of difficulty where you're at. But I think that's the struggle throughout the West. I think it's just not easy and you really have to dedicate yourself to it. Be willing to grind and put in the time and the effort and be willing to strike out and go through yep. tough times and not see animals for two, three, four, five days. And then to find a mature buck is special. Like you can look over Mm -hmm. a lot of deer and not find a mature buck. And so like any of these units, like the ability to, to grind and keep after it and like create those opportunities and then make good on them. Like that's what it's all about. So yeah, you almost have to embrace the struggle. Uh, seems like plan a never usually works out in a, in an area you got to be able to grind and go find them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've kind of fallen into the trap of, 
you know, when we did start to go out of state and stuff, you know, we're like, oh, we're going to this state or we're going to that state. Oh, it's going to be a great hunt. It's going to be way easier than Washington, you know, and we kind of went in with like a little bit of like a we're not going to have to work as hard to like be successful yep. here because it's, you know, it's that such a better state and all this stuff. And boy, did we get kicked in the guts on some <laughs> of those, you know, and it like really it taught us really quick, like. No, we no matter what state or where you're going or like you said, like if you do, you know, if you are lucky enough to draw like a coveted tag, you still need to go into it with that mindset of like it's going to be hard. It's still hunting like you're going to have to grind. Like don't go into the into it thinking that, you know, there's going to be a, a big buck around every corner or a big bull around every corner. Like you're still going to have to get in there and really get after it. And I think that that's that's a learning curve. That's a learning lesson for a lot of people that do come from like Washington. They're like oh, I drew Montana or whatever, and I'm going to go over there and I'll just be able to drive the road and I'll just shoot shoot a nice, like, 160-inch four-point or whatever. It's like, yeah, you could luck into that. Like, I guess it's possible anywhere, but more often than not and more likely, you're going to go over there and you're going to drive around for two or three days and you're going to be like, I'm getting my butt kicked. Like, now, now what? You know, like, I need to, I need to change some things up. So I think... You know, as we've progressed, we've learned that, too, is just like go into every hunt like it's just going to be a grind mm -hmm. and just expect that. And you're going to be set up for more success if you go in thinking that everything's going to be really tough. Yeah, 100 percent. And yeah. I, and I do think like the more experience we gain in tough areas like that, it does build our resolve and our toughness and also like our hunting skill sets, like the yeah. ability to find vantage points or find animals, the ability you know, the the ability to also know, like, when you're striking out that, you know, if I keep putting forth effort, I will find an animal. Like, I've been here before. This is just a different mm -hmm. area. Like, uh, but but I do think working on all those skill sets and then, you know, you guys have to work on um, uh, a shooting and things of that nature. Like, like, even, you know, whether it's a bow or whether it's a rifle, like, being a good shot or clutch under pressure just doesn't come naturally. Like... Uh, I, I've seen a, a lot of guys mess up a lot of easy shots, me included in that, you know, and so oh, yeah. it, it does take that as well as like working on all those skill sets. So then you can capitalize when you do find an opportunity. Uh, you guys probably never miss, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I wish that was the case that we, we had a good, uh, Montana deer hunt this year where good. we, we were locked in with the, with the rifles and, and, and doing really good. So that was, good. that was fantastic. Um, it can be tough but, shooting yeah. like longer ranges than you're used to in mm -hmm. Washington. Right. And it's not easy. Yep. Like, even though the gun's dope, like to make a 300 yard shot on a deer or a 400 yard shot on a deer, it's like, oh, yeah. I know some of the, you know, there's just a lot of variables that go into it and it is not a given, man. It's like being no, a good shot with a rifle takes work. Yeah, it does. And, and, and we do put quite a bit of time and effort into shooting, you know, especially like spring and summer leading into fall. Like we spend quite a bit of time shooting, shooting way out, you know, like eight, 900 yards and mm -hmm. stuff just so that we are really comfortable. Um, but you know, we don't take that, that long of shots on animals, but we, you know, it's just like practicing with a bow at a hundred, 120, whatever. It's just that everything your technique, everything has to be so much more perfect when you're shooting that far that then when you do move back to 300, if you keep that same technique, you can be really comfortable and confident. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we just keep going like that. And, you know, and then then you add the element of a camera being put on you and the pressure <laughs> that that, you know, like that adds because then you're thinking like, OK, like 
you know, if, if I'm shooter, I'm like, okay, Jeff's doing his job. Cause he's got the animal in like the all in on the phone or whatever, or on the big lens, Bob's got me on like the small lens, like laying down, getting ready to shoot. And then it's like, okay, like I need to like make sure that I make this shot. Cause all the pressures on me, they're doing their jobs. Like I need to do mine. And yeah, like the first time you have a camera pointed in your face, you're like, I don't know what to do with my hands kind of thing, you know? And you're just like, <laughs> what do I do? And then it's like, and now I'm not even talking. I just am laying down shooting, but it's like, you know, that there's something right there, like just staring at you and watching. And it's like, okay, not only are they watching me and they're counting on me, but all the people that would potentially watch this film are also watching me, you know, do this. So it's just like, it adds a whole element and you have to really kind of be able to tune all that out, focus in and like do your job in that moment. And it's the same thing when we rotate, you know, if you're the guy that's on, the, the spotter or whatever to get that kill shot on film, like you need to ignore everything else and, and focus on your job. And I think that is one element of the filming process process that does kind of help because like, you know, you have your team there with you and your only thing is just focus on my one job. Mm-hmm. Everything else is doesn't matter. You know, like they're going to do theirs. They'll tell you like, okay, yeah, I'm good to go whenever you're ready. That's kind of all we say, you know, like as, the guy on the spotter or the guy with the camera, it's like, all right, I'm good whenever you're ready. And then just let the shooter do their thing, you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's fun. It it adds a new element. That's for sure. And, you know, a little bit more pressure, but I I mean, I think, I think people build character and build um, more resolve by being put under pressure. And so I think that that's also only helped us grow as a team and as individuals. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I like the high pressure situations and the yeah. uh, the the more you're in those, the more you um, seek them out or like the more you yeah. want it or you're ready for that opportunity. But yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. It is a an added bit of pressure, and then like just the the moving around the mountain like with three guys, and then like yeah. I know me trying to video public land bow hunts is like so difficult especially when i don't call elk like i spot and stalk them and and i'm spot and stalking mule deer and so like it's just tough to move two people around the mountains without getting picked out or spotted or twice the noise or making Mm -hmm. sure you don't get seen and then trying to stalk within a stone's throw of a wary mature animal And, and then like you say i just i tell my cameraman that too is like man I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about what I'm doing and making my shots. You move like I move, and then I'm just going to trust that you have them. Like, uh, that's your yeah. job, and that's where you – but I think a lot of times the cameraman, you have as much pressure or more than than the shooter. You know, I know oh, filming yeah. my buddy's hunts or uh, filming mine solo or whatever. Like, man, it is um, – it, it is difficult and you don't want to let your buddy down by double hitting the record button or by not oh, yeah. getting the, the, the shot on there because you know, yep, he's working so hard, slightly out of focus, something oh, like gosh. that. It's oh, like, don't it's even remind de- me. <laughs> it's devastating, you know, but then yeah. like that is like the devastating part. We've had those moments big time, you know, like that's part of that learning curve. But man, when you get like, when you know that you got your buddy's kill shot like perfectly on film and you got everything all like that's almost as big of a high as it is being the one pulling the trigger, you know, like it's, 
it feels so good to be able to like show your buddy like dude watch this you know and then they watch it back and they're just like oh yeah you know it's like the double the stoke goes up you know oh, it's awesome. it sure is yeah it's like a team effort and when you kill yep. one with a cameraman it's as much the cameraman's deer as it is the the shooters like you guys like you have to work together as a team to be able to capture that and get that so yeah and it it is like the the stoke level is high when you can capture like that you know magic you, you know it's um it, it's tough to capture those moments and we don't we don't get to act or play them back or try to recreate like it's all got to be done in real time under this like yep. uh, a intense fog of adrenaline too you know so <laughs> yeah man and it but it is like really rewarding it's when you can go like there are some frustrations and some challenges but then when you can put a video together that really shows off the country and the adventure the friendship mm -hmm. and and then show like this great hunt that was created on public ground just by your your hustle and knowledge and and ability to grind like that is beautiful man when you can put yep. to, put together a film like that that you're proud of yeah it's um it's pretty good stuff and that's why you guys have done so good and your channel has done so good and the podcasts and things is you know, you guys are authentic and show the the true experience, and then able to capture it from start to end. And um, mm -hmm. man, it's just killer. Yeah, you guys have done really well. So you guys had a good hunt in um, Montana this year. Everybody was shooting good. Yeah, yeah, everyone was shooting good. You know, we we had some interesting things happen on that hunt. We did we backpacked in for the first. Well, it was going to be the first like five days, and then uh, those those big old Montana winds kicked up one night and oh my gosh. ripped our shelter apart in the middle of the night. Oh man, uh, with um, a uh, using a teepee or something? Yep. Yeah, those yep. teepees are tough in the wind, aren't they, man? In the Montana yeah. winds, it's not like we get a twenty mile an hour wind. Like it'll gust fifty, sixty, seventy. Like it'll it'll yep. take a teepee and fly it away. Yep. Yeah. It, it, it shredded our TP. I, about one thirty in the morning, the center pole came down and landed right on top of me. And I just hear Jeff from the other side go, hold on to it. And I'm just like laying there holding on to it as it's just flapping away. And so we ended up having to stake it down, like along the middle guy out points. Cause we lost the bottom ones. And so it was basically just a little like tarp over the top of us. Like we were little burritos at that yeah. point just to get through the night. And then we ended up, Bob ended up killing his buck that next morning. And then we packed everything up and got out of there because we had no backcountry shelter left anymore. And so then luckily we had some more gear and stuff in the truck and moved spots and did some other stuff. But uh, yeah, it was quite, quite the interesting uh evening that's for sure we've yeah. had two shelters fail on us this year on backcountry hunts now there's no shortage of challenges even when you're experienced and even when you have vetted gear it's just like stuff <laughs> is going to happen and you're going to have yep. to adapt and overcome like that's a lot of what this hunting is and you're not sure yep. what the challenges are going to be you just know you're going to have them you know and so um, yep. yeah that's wild like I love the teepee setup and I love the stove and being able to wintertime backpack for six pounds for my teepee and stove. But I do 
notice like a lot of the prairie spots I hunt, well, any spot for that matter, I mean, you can just get some gnarly winds in those. Like I, I, um, you know, we're not sponsored by them, but those, uh, those, those peaks teepees look like a pretty good design they're using with like their trekking poles in there to give some stability up high. Uh, I think he's like solving a problem with teepees. Those things look like a pretty good deal. And I have had those teepees whipping around in the wind. In fact, you know, I was like the last hunt I was in, it was a late season and man, I had to camp one night in the sage and it came up pretty good. You know, I think it ripped out a stake in the middle of the night, maybe, or like some flapping for sure, but held up, but Man, I've been there with you. You gotta find like really out of the wind spots with those teepees, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And like that night, uh, so the night before we camped like more up on a ridge, and it was really windy, but like we were able to like rock it down, and it was mm-hmm. really nice, and and it was loud and stuff. So it was still a rough night of sleeping, but the the te- teepee held up fine. Mm-hmm. And then we moved camps the next day, backpacked in further. And we were like, all right, we found like this nice little tucked away spot. You know, we had like some hills behind us, you know, just kind of like really tucked up in there. And we were like, oh, it's going to be great. You know, and like the wind that day was like nice and calm. And then that night it just kicked up and it just came from like the one direction that we were exposed and it just hammered us. And we were getting gusts probably in that 60 mile an hour range. Mm. And yeah, just beat that shelter up so bad that it just said, I just quit, you know, (laughs) and uh, but I mean, at that point, you just you make the most out of it. You have to make the best out of it. You got to be able to laugh, and you know, like it's not like we were in some super dangerous situation. Like it just was uncomfortable and sucked. You know, it's just like, what are you gonna do? It's one thirty in the morning. Like we're not gonna just pack up and leave. You know, and luckily we didn't, because like I said, Bob went out and shot his buck the next morning. You know, and so you kind of just got to be ready to tough it out and make the best out of a bad situation and just keep on trucking along and then make a game plan and adapt and go from there. Oh man, that's the truth. Yeah, it is. Um, it can be tough to find good spots when you're hunting, like, um, really mobile like that when you're moving mm-hmm. or like run and gunning. And then there like are no flat spots in the mountains. You know, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've like curled up in a deer bed or I think I'm say, sleeping in a pretty safe spot. And I like see that lightning starting to come and, you know, I'm, like oh, yeah. close to the ridge line where it's like, Oh man, I'm going to have to drop and find some place else down and through there. Or like you say, the wind flapping all night, uh, down trees like there's just um yeah camping finding a good camping spot is an art in itself and then like I hunt a lot of grizzly country as well and so that's like a concern where you yeah. want to be off the trails and the main ridge lines and these travel corridors for these grizzlies kind of get tucked back in the thick stuff but then you're you know you're looking up at the trees that are leaning and going man is that a widow maker is that going to come down in the middle of the night or like there's like so many things to to weigh in on and then like all these different environments and habitats and then different seasons have different challenges and so you know like one time i may be camping trying to avoid lightning and then you know other times i may be camping trying to avoid bears so there's like always challenges with the with the shelter and it just isn't a perfect world or like i try to go light a lot and that'll bite me is where i'll go lightweight and i'll look at the forecast and i'll go oh i'm I'm just gonna bivy out and bivy works great if you got good weather short durations but then if you get nasty rain or nasty weather like trying to ride that out in a bivy sack is the worst dude it's like so (laughs) uncomfortable you know so i'll get caught 
caught in that, or we call it cowboying, where it's like, look at the forecast, and it's like, man, I'm just going overnight. I'm just going to bring my pad and my sleeping bag. And you, like, get away with it a bunch. It's like mm-hmm. you get away with it for, like, ten trips where you just no tent weight, no setup, no pickup, yep. no nothing. You just sleep in the dirt, and it's, like, great and works really good. And then you get that one trip where it pours down rain or it, like, some unexpected weather hazard where you just – like get an hour worth of sleep and I wake up looking like a zombie and feeling like one too. But yeah, yeah. it's just kind of the the price you pay sometimes for that overnight. But that skill set of being able to backpack into different places, um, it's really beneficial, isn't it? It's like, man, it sure separates yourself from the pressure. And and that's backpacking in wildernesses. That's also like backpacking in roaded country. Like it's a big advantage you can get to like some really – game rich spots just having that skill set and ability and willingness to go backpack out and it's no fun with a backpack that's 40 50 pounds to go back there eight miles but it it also it like gets you to some really game rich country if you're willing to do it yeah and i think you know like backpacking doesn't even need to be super deep all the time either right. like part of the advantage for backpacking to me and like we have some spots here in washington that we take advantage of this is we may only be two miles off the road where we're setting up because it's like a prime glassing spot but we set up our camp right there we're the first ones there we're the last ones there no one else it's kind of like claiming your spot a little bit you know mm-hmm. you get out there and you're while everyone else is walking in in the morning or whatever, you're already set up and you're ready to go. You know, you've already been glassing for that that prime 30 minutes of daylight while everyone else is walking in. Or you're the one sitting there glassing those last 30 minutes when everyone else is going to hunt their way back to the truck. You know, and I, I think that's been a big a big factor for us is just like even if it is only two miles, like, yeah, we could walk that back and forth every day. No problem. Like, yeah, you could get up earlier and do it. But if you have the stuff and you have the gear, why expend that extra energy going back and forth every day? And you can literally glass more than anybody else. Cause you're, you're stationary. You're just there and you're ready to go, or you can be right there and you can go further in as, as the first people start coming in during the day, you can be the guy bouncing to that next Ridge or, you know, going further or anything like that. And I think that that's, that's a big advantage that a lot of people don't really think of with backpack hunting i think a lot of people will assume backpacking means oh you go way way in every single time and it's like it doesn't need to be that especially in like roaded country like you're talking about like there may be roads you know every you know few miles or whatever but if you get and put yourself kind of right in the middle of all of that you can you can separate yourself just from doing that and just being willing to even if it's just for a night you can just spike out and then you're able to glass that whole night and glass that whole morning and you've given yourself that advantage man um you're so right man that's uh like spot on advice it um it's the little things on these hunts and being at the right places at the right times like we all know that to be there at daybreak mm-hmm. but it that's not the reality of the situation a lot like um you know a, a lot of times guys are leaving their truck at daybreak and by the time mm-hmm. Dude, it, it can just change the game. Like, I was elk hunting this spot this year that I called the middle of the middle. It was the farthest place away from any roads in any of the four directions. And so this spot, I got in there, and it was great elk hunting. And so I got into this basin this one day, and there's this bull I was trying to kill. I hunted him for a couple days, probably even three days. And I got on him in the morning, and he had all his cows, and he was bugling his head off. And just a, a great, big, mature six-point. And 
he kind of went into the thick cover. His bugling kind of slowed down. Uh, I didn't get a chance, and I felt like my my opportunity would have been better in the evening when he comes out into like an open park where I can stalk him. You know, instead of trying to follow him in that thick timber because he had so many cows and then wasn't bugling real good. And so I kind of held up right before I got to him, and then. You know, we're just sitting there now. It's like elk season, and so the middles of the day can be really slow. And 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 I had done good at getting into this spot at the right time at daybreak, and I'd been chasing this bull for a couple days, so I knew he was in there. Uh, but I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, I hear that like the like the 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 textbook setup of just like you. I'm like, is that a cow call? Like, you know, and this is like an hour, hour and a half later. So I haven't heard a bugle forever. All the elk have put away. Here behind me, I hear this cow call. I'm like, is that an elk? You know, and I'm kind of sitting by a couple wallows. I'm like, ah, I'll go look over this backside. And then I heard a little wimpy bugle and a couple more cow calls. I'm like, that's a bro. And so I kind of like glass up on the ridge line and I see a couple hunters and they're making a setup or a calling setup and they're calling. Now, the basin they're calling into where I'm sitting, uh, you know, not only was that herd bull in there, had a satellite with them, they were bugling back and forth, there was another couple satellites, another group of cows, there has to be over 100 head in this basin, five wow. or six different bulls, I, there's another herd bull that was down below me, way down in there, like this is epic elk hunting, but by the time these guys hiked in from the trailhead, it's 9 o'clock, 9.30, they're bugling into prime elk country that's full of elk, they don't get a response because it's the wrong time, and they yep. roll out of country never knowing there was an elk in that drainage because they just yep. weren't there at the right time, so it's like your point of like being in the right spots at the right time is so crucial to being able to spot game, to be able to get an opportunity to to be able to tell you what's really in country and being able to sleep on that vantage point, you know, it does save on energy too. Like sometimes I'll be mobile and I'm just doing a lot of headlamp work to be able to get to a good spot by daybreak. But you're right. You're so effective to just carry your camp with you and sleep mm. where you end up. And then you set yourself up really good for mornings and evenings. And a lot of times you're just catching animals that other people won't catch. And I also like your point, like, it's not, you know, I don't know that I'm trying to, I'm trying to let everybody else know I'm kind of there. Like that's, a tent mm -hmm. says that from a vantage point. Like there is this competition aspect to hunting public ground and, and usually guys are really respectful. And when you see a guy hunting a vantage point or hunting in a spot, we tend to go the other way. And so yep. when you set up a tent that's off a vantage point or on a ridge line, you know, you're also kind of marking your area like, Hey, I'm here and I'm camping. Like, you know, it is public ground and you can't have guys come and hunt on you, but it, it also, it, it kind of marks your spot in there that you're hunting and guys will kind of avoid that spot because they know you're in there too, which can also play to your favor. So that is like yep. an added benefit as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, like, Hey, it, it's public land. Like if they see the tent and they want to, you know, come up and, and either hunt, you know, keep on going or whatever, it's fair game, but it, it at least kind of lets them know like, Oh, there's some people like really hunting this spot. And, you know, we've had people come up to us and just be like, hey, what's your guys' plan, you know, and like kind of bounce off of each other. And we're just like, we're going to stay right here or we're planning on going that way. And it's and then we just kind of communicate and work together in that sense. And that's that's perfect. That's ideal. You know, like you, if there's other people in there to be able to divvy up the area a little bit. And so then 
not any there's no toes getting stepped on you know that's that's the worst is when you do run into someone and they don't want to have that conversation or you know two people get to the trailhead at the same time in the morning and one guy just gets out and goes you know instead of like kind of having a little bit of a conversation like i got a bear spot that i hunt all the time and most people it's kind of the same group of guys that hunt it year after year and so we all talk to each other but every now and then you get a new guy that shows up and he you know gets there real early and you know we're all like getting our stuff together and he'll just get out and go and it's just like man we could have had like a two-minute conversation and just been like hey i'm i'm planning on heading this way where are you planning on going and just kind of work together on this rather than if you just go i don't know where you're going to end up and then don't get mad at me if i walk into you you know like it's it can kind of alleviate all of those problems if you just take the time and have those conversations or or like you said you could even you glass somebody up just turn and go the other way if mm-hmm. you don't want to go talk to them you know mm-hmm. yeah there there is a there's a protocol between public land hunters right and most yeah. guys are are really good and really respectful and most guys yep. want to find their own area to hunt as well and so yeah i think it's always good to like if you run into somebody or you're both at the trailhead to have that conversation you know and yep. go hey this is what i'm thinking or this is where i'm headed or i've seen a great buck in this area and i'm headed for him today and they're you know yep. like um yeah and it's um it's like a give and take too. Like you also have to be a good, respectful hunter. And sometimes there's places where you're headed or places you want to hunt and you run into a guy and you're there and he's ahead of me and he's like, well, he's got it today. I'm going to go the other direction and he's going to get it. Or when I talk to guys too, you know, a lot of times, like the country's really big once you get back there. Everybody has to park in the same spot, but there's plenty of country to spread out in. And so you know, sometimes it's like, I've got a trailhead. I've got three, four or five spots in mind. Like, sure, I'll talk to this guy. And if he's headed this direction, like, okay, yeah, that's great. I'll go this other way and go cover that. Or, or, you know, I have plans to go in deeper and it's like, well, yeah, if you're hunting this first cut in through here or these parks in here, like I'm just going to hike in the dark and get by this stuff. And I want to hunt out further. And, And a lot of times you can work that out with guys and like, Nine out of ten guys are just great, like, and, and we'll, you know, are going to work with you to be able to make a good game plan so everybody can enjoy the area and have an opportunity to hopefully find a critter, you know. And so, yeah, if you have those discussions or whatever, and I don't, um, you know, there's like this, you know, I don't tell them everything I've learned on a hunt, but I'll share information if they're willing to share information. And really, yeah. information sharing can be key or clutch to know when the rut's happening or where they've seen elk. And so, yeah, if they're willing to share information, I'll also share information. Or if I'm going for a buck or a bull and it's like, hey, man, I'm going for a really good six point that I've seen that I've been hunting in here three days. I'm headed to that spot over there. But hey, guess what? I have seen another six point off this ridge and I've seen them the last couple days like you guys should go that way and go hunt that bull over there like you know if you can work together it's just going to be better for everybody and and there is like just kind of this unsaid rule like man let's just work this out so we can both hunt together hunt this area together and not step on each other's feet or mess each other up and i think a big part too is like if you know a guy's on a bull or you hear him bugling back and forth, it's like, man, it, you got to go find a different bull. It's just I don't yeah. want to get in there and go spook up his setup or that's his whole day hunt. Like just having respect for guys that way too. But um, it is kind of a balance on public land nowadays, isn't it? 
It definitely is. And I mean, like you said, like I couldn't agree more, like nine out of 10 guys, like you can have those conversations. Everything's good to go, you know, and, and I think that the overwhelming majority, everyone's there for the same reason. You know, we all want an opportunity and that's all that that you can really ask for. And I think, you know, everyone also wants to see people be successful because then they think like there's a there's a placebo effect. I think that happens when you know that someone else was successful in like the area you were targeting. You're like. I picked a good spot, even if I wasn't the one that got something like I picked a good spot. There's probably more animals in here. And guess who the best guy to talk to is the guy who just filled his tag. Mm -hmm. That guy is on cloud nine. He's willing to share everything. You know, if, <laughs> if he if he saw other animals or whatever, he doesn't care anymore, man. He's good. he got a good chance to get some better info and, and everything like that out of him. And so. You know, if you if you do see someone packing something out or, you know, whatever, like congratulate them, talk to them. And you might be surprised how much information someone who's on cloud nine packing out a great buck or bowl is going to give up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and there is, you know, there's like there's pressure out there. Like we know there's pressure. There's also there's ways to avoid it. There's like tactics that I make on hunts to really get away from the pressure where, you know, maybe I'll hold off opening week and then I'll go hard second or third week. And a lot of times I have the mountains all to myself or mm -hmm. I know that there's going to be hunting pressure locals on Saturday and Sunday, but I know during the week, like I'm going to have it more to myself. Like there, there's different tactics that you can use to try to separate the pressure. And even though like nobody likes the guy that pulls into the parking lot and just takes off up the trail and doesn't have that conversation. But there too, the, the first guy there really has like, you know, he is in that spot. So it is about waking up earlier and be parked oh, yeah. at a trailhead earlier, hiked into a spot earlier, or like you say, camped in a location where if you're camped on a vantage point, it's like, well, anybody can come up there, but the majority of guys are going to avoid that, you know? And mm -hmm. so, you know, there's, there's like ways to get around it. And so, yeah, I know, you know, if I'm on a buck or a bull, you can guarantee I'm going to be the first rig in the parking lot or, or I'm yep. going to be camped in there or whatever, but just that little bit more of effort, that little bit more of commitment and work goes for a long ways on public ground. For sure. And like, the, if you can hunt the middle of the week, that is an absolute game changer. It is. Like, yep. it's, you know, if, instead of taking a, a Thursday, Friday, Monday off, make it a tuesday wednesday thursday and just you know leave friday after work camp at the trailhead or hike in in the dark and give yourself those three days because you're going to have so much less pressure so much less competition and that that absolutely can be a total game changer for people and and even you know I don't think hunting is getting easier, but I do think that they were we are in the information day and age and I just believe that there, there are so many good spots out there. I mean, I find them every year. I have them every year. Like, man, mm -hmm. you can find some epic hunting out there. And even in high pressure spots, like, man, I, I've got areas that are, you know, I've got an area where I killed my bull this year. That's like one of the most popular elk areas in Montana or probably the lower 48 <laughs> because it's a general season tag. Heck, you probably are. You've probably hunted there yourself. Like <laughs> I can hunt these areas and you can still go find your own experience. You versus the elk. 
even mm. with guys around, you just know that guys stick to the roads a lot. Guys only want to go a mile from the rig because they have to hike back. They have to get out of country earlier. Like just those little things of being in the right places at the right time or willing to go put the effort in to hike into these areas. Like a lot of times these high pressure areas can, you can find really good hunting because there are good game populations and these mm-hmm. animals get pressured to the roadless country or like animals are crafty, right? And it's like yep. they find the places where the humans aren't like some of these spots that i hunt that are super high pressure you know these elk end up in spots where that are overlooked by humans for one reason or another maybe you can't glass it easy maybe it takes a long time to hike in maybe you got to go you know up and down four or five canyons you're like i have this one spot late season that's really good where you have to take off from the top of the mountain and go lose all your elevation to start Mm. with and then climb your way out at the end of the day like guys hate dropping down and losing that elevation and so i get down in there and it's a fairly popular spot if you were to drive the road up top but the minute you go lose a thousand fifteen hundred two thousand feet of elevation off the mountain all of a sudden there's nobody no boot tracks and there's deer Mm -hmm. everywhere down there you know so you just have to be crafty and and you like nobody likes seeing boot tracks or seeing other hunters and it can be discouraging at times but even in high pressure areas you can get away from the people you can go find critters you can go find animals like there's still great opportunity out there so like i couldn't be more excited to go hard and i'm sure you're the same for like 2024 because i know that those Mm -hmm. bucks that we dream about are out there you know the uh, the wide ones and tall ones and stickers and kickers and like those bucks are out there those bulls that we dream about are out there like if we put in the work work on our skill set and then go give it our all during hunting season we're probably gonna run into a couple of these things you know yeah, that's always the hope. And, you know, like like you were saying, like, yeah, like don't overlook those high pressure areas because there's a reason why they're high pressure. And that's high game populations typically. And like you said, man, like you you find a creek crossing that's a little bit deep or a little bit oh, wide or yeah. something and, and just like buck up and wait across that thing or, you know, bring some waders with you, do, do whatever it is and you can get across that and then you can go beyond that you're going to separate yourself from a lot of guys who aren't willing to cross that creek you know or like you said drop a bunch of elevation or climb a bunch of elevation like if it's a really popular trailhead maybe don't take the trail go straight up you know just that's a good point you know just get get off of like the main access points and you know i have some spots here on the west side especially you know it's like logging road country and stuff like that and i i hunt the spots that are gated as close to the main road as possible Cause guys don't want to go in that far, you know, and I have some spots where I can hear the highway, you know, traffic below me, but there's no one back there because it's gated really low and everything that you do is straight up, you know? And so it's just, you don't have to go that deep all the time. Like, don't get me wrong. I love going far and getting way back in there. We did a, a high buck hunt this year. Um, we hired an outfitter. We got packed in, about 18 miles on horses and then we did another 12 on foot so we were 30 to 35 miles where we were hunting from the truck and like that feeling was phenomenal you know like knowing that we're the only people back here you know there was no boot tracks there was no nobody anywhere around and like that feeling of being that far and that isolated was awesome and like that was the adventure we were looking for not every hunt is going to be like that or can be like that, especially when 
you're not a full time like this isn't your job. You know, like we don't have all the time in the world. We got to arrange all this with work and families and, you know, all that stuff. So, like, you got to pick and choose when you go really far and really hard. And then you get, need to find those spots local to you that you can hit after work or you can hit on a, you know, go in late or one, one day or whatever, especially if you, you know, like if I have a bear or something that I'm like, okay, this bear's been hitting this clear cut day. It's like, I, I'm going to have a dentist appointment one morning, <laughs> you know, and I'm going <laughs> to, instead of going into work right away, first thing in the morning, I'm going to go to work at noon and I'm going to go hit that spot first thing and give myself two hours. And if it happens, it happens. If not, I'll go in and go to work, you know, and like, just kind of making those opportunities for yourself where you can, it's again, it can just like change the game just that little bit. Yeah, man. Um, speaking my language, it uh, <laughs> persistence is deadly. Like uh, if you just yeah. keep putting forth effort and, you know, it, it may just be a redneck with a bow, but you also have to be fairly strategic at where you're hunting. And, and you're right. It's not always about like there's a lot of guys that are going really hard nowadays. And I think about mm -hmm. it and think like, well, how am I separating myself? Like, you know, here these guys are and I'm I'm seeing the miles and the effort that they're putting in and they're they're doing everything to try to be successful. Like, what's the difference? How am I able to still arrow animals or find consistent opportunities on trophies and it it comes down to strategy you know and it, it it is like experience is a great teacher and the the more we learn the better we are at creating these opportunities and i really think for me like hunting all these different species in these different environments these different habitats you know during these different times of year and being able to adapt and problem solve to figure out where these critters are mm -hmm. and like you say sometimes it isn't going you know, sometimes it is going 20 miles back, but it isn't all the time. Like there are sleeper spots that, yeah. you know, I, I've been into some of the greatest elk parties where I can hear every truck going over the cattle guard, you know, that I'm that close yeah. to the roadway. Like there's sleeper spots in there too. And so like really using your brain to be able to strategize, you know, and, and I always think it's like live and die behind my glass. And, and I, I constantly want to be able to like, it's, you know, being really good at glassing isn't just like being able to look through your binos and find deer. I mean, it's having OCD with your binos of pulling them up in every little opening, every spot, repanning the spots, every oh, new yeah. view you get. And then it's also the way you look at country, too. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, I'm going to look at country, not how I can get in there, but how can I see it? How can I see it the best? And sometimes it's from the main ridgeline up top, but sometimes the country folds over away from you and you can't glass it. So it's actually better to be down off and away from the mountain and be able to look at the whole picture and see what's going on. But this, like this vantage point or this strategy, of how can I see it at the right time? That'll tell you what type of critters are in there. And, you know, I hear, you know, like, killed a bunch of good critters in my career and you hear timber bucks and definitely in october you know secondary living these bucks can tighten up their programs but it's big bucks and big bulls like all the ones i found over the years the ones i've killed the ones i haven't they're still deer and they're still mm. elk and they still come out in these parks and a lot of times the biggest deer feed the longest or the most exposed because they you know, to grow those big antlers, they have to have big body weight and then put all their growth into those antlers. So a lot of times they're like the fattest deer that feed for the longest out in the parks. But they're I just noticed that these trophy big critters like there is no ghost timber buck like 
I mean, there is, don't get me wrong, secondary living, covering all the cover, like, I get it, but they still have to be deer, they still have to come out and feed, you know, elk have to feed in these parks, like, just having that knowledge or that belief in that system and finding these master vantage points has really been, like, key to my success, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there, is, like, that's kind of what we do, too, is we look for those big vantage points, and, and also, don't be afraid to, like, when you get to a vantage point, move a hundred yards one way or another throughout the day as those shadows and stuff start to change, you know, change your angle as well. So that you can really start diving into all these little pockets and nooks and crannies and stuff. Cause like you said, deer still got to be deer. Elk still have to be elk. They still need food, water, and cover. Like they still need the basic stuff, whether they're a little two point or a giant, you know, 180 inch buck, like they still need all those same things to live and survive. And they're still going to do the same things that other deer are doing. It's just, you got to be in the right spot at the right time and be, be diligent on your glass. Like having a try, having your binos on a tripod is a game changer. It like alleviates so much eye tension and like arm tension and holding them up and no wobble, no nothing. Just like being able to sit there behind your, your tripod and glass. And then like you can move around a little bit and have a snack and then you're right back into your glass. You're not having to mess with anything. And it's just, those little kind of things like add up over the course of time and, you know, hopefully eventually they lead to that success of like turning up that big, you know, super mature trophy animal that you've been looking for. I We're still trying, you know, there's still so much trial and error. Like we really haven't killed anything giant, you know, like I, I killed a nice 160 buck on a Washington quality tag. And other than that, we've killed like some 140 bucks and stuff like that, which I mean, in Washington, they're great deer. But, you know, finding those like next level animals is still hard, even for people who are out there as much as we are and going as hard and going as far. It's still a challenge and it's still, you know, learning, you know, and that's that's one thing that I love about hunting is it's going to forever be a challenge and forever be more knowledge gained. And that is that's part of the appeal to me. I don't want to, like, master it ever. You know, like I want to constantly get those gut punches and then learn from that and be better. And, you know, I think you kind of touched on it a little bit with like how much stuff, how much different hunting you do. That's really a big thing that I preach to a lot of guys as well is like hunt new places, hunt new animals. Like you're going to gain such a bigger, wider set of skills by going to Wyoming and chasing antelope. You know, you're going to gain a totally different skill set than, blacktail hunting in western washington is you know and like go and do all these different things try and go to different even if you can't get out of your own state you can find different habitat in any state that you're living you know you don't only have to be a western washington blacktail guy you can go over east and try mule deer for for a season or you can go northeast and try whitetails in the mountains of washington you know northeast washington you can go do all these different things and garner all those different skills and all that different information to put together a bigger picture overall of like hunting in general and like what worked, what didn't work, where did I find animals, where didn't I find animals and just like taking all those notes, whether it's like on an actual notepad or like in your phone or however you want to do it, but like collect that data from all these different hunts and all this different stuff that you're doing and you're going to be better off the next year. You know, like I revisit a lot of my, like this year, I'll revisit all my 2023 hunts, whether it's mentally or through the videos or you know whatever and then i'll go okay what worked what didn't work what can i do different for 2024 to hopefully be better and be more successful 
Yeah, I love it, man. It's yeah. like a student of the game, you know. It's a, and you I don't think, yeah, it's like we're always improving, always trying to yeah. get better. And um, yeah, you just want to come in more prepared for next season. But it, it's like we have such a passion and love for it that it's like easy to work at or put in the work or be consistent. Oh, yeah. And um, it's just we're the lucky ones that we're able to have our passion and something that we love so much. And um, yeah. like you say, it is the beauty of it is that it never quite gets mastered or there's always room for improvement or to be yeah. better. And it's yeah. one of the thing that things that really excite me like about next season. I'm sure you guys too, you know? And so, yeah, um, yeah I, uh, uh, I'm definitely, it, and it is a lifestyle. Like we started the conversation of starting to look now at tags that we can get and tags are getting tougher and tougher to come by. And so yep. when we draw a tag nowadays, it's like, you know, I want to make sure that I'm going to give full effort on that tag or on that hunt and I may draw less tags. And so I'm going to spend more time on that hunt, like, uh, getting the most out of that experience and, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, also trying to give my best on it, but yeah, couldn't be more excited. Well, man, you guys are killing it. Um, so you guys, um, PN wild is your guys' YouTube, the podcast where we can find everything. You guys got a good site too, right? Yep, 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 pnwild.com. We got everything on there, the YouTube channel, the podcast. We got a, a merch store. We have a blog that we write some blogs and do do some stuff like that. Um, you can kind of find everything there, or you can go over to our Instagram page or YouTube channel. It's all pnwild. You can search it anywhere, and, and whatever you're looking for, podcast, anything like that, you search pnwild, and we'll pop right up. Oh, you guys are hustling. I should have worn my um, P.N. Wild hat like I've been repping for a I've, while for you guys. I think I sent you one of those. That's like one of the original hats, like yeah. one of the first ones we ever made I sent out to you a long time ago. I still wear it. I, got, I get good use out of that. And I'm a... Uh, my roots are in the Pacific Northwest, and um, yeah. so I definitely like had this um, common thread with you guys. So yeah, no, I appreciate you sending it to me. I still wear it all the time, um, but yeah, definitely repping your guys' wear. I really like it, and then um, yeah, check it out. And you guys got some good films coming up this year too, right? Yeah, we'll have a bunch of uh, fall bear stuff coming out. We got um, we have that uh, backpack horseback backpack hunt that I, I mentioned before that'll oh, be coming cool. out. Oh, that's this year, and, huh? Yep. That was yeah. this year. So oh, we did that cool. in September. Right um, so that'll be coming out. And then uh, Montana deer as well will be coming out. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, good for and you guys. Then, yeah. You guys got yeah. some good films to, to drop. Um, boy, you guys are going to keep Jeff busy on that, uh, on the editing oh, table, yeah. trying to he, put those together, huh? Yep, he's got a backlog of of stuff going on right now, and then we just keep adding on to it with like gear reviews in the studio, and then you know we're getting into waterfowl season and you know some predator hunting stuff this winter, and so he's a. Uh, He's got his work cut out for him this, this <laughs> well, winter and spring, that's for sure. Yeah, crack the whip on that guy. Um, yeah, I got to have Jeff on the podcast too. So uh, give him a give him a, a, a hey, what's up from me, and then also I shoot him a message and get him on the podcast. I want to get him on, but um, yeah, yeah, man, that's that's awesome. I can't wait to see your guys' films that come out this year, and then um, yeah, cheering you guys on and and uh, wishing you good hunting here for this next season and and good tag drawing. But yeah, man, thanks for uh, joining me on the podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation. It flew by. Yeah, yeah, me too. I really appreciate it. You know, you've been a guy that we've all kind of looked up to um, for years, you know, just like following along with you and just like your style of hunting and like your podcast, everything like that. We've we've really like looked up to you. And I mean, you're just one of our favorites in the, you know, in the industry and and in this world. Um, and so 
just couldn't thank you more for having me on. Oh man, that's so kind. Well, and I just, I really appreciate like your guys's hustle, like the, the years you guys started this in 2017, like it doesn't come instant. It comes through like this hard work and consistency. And so, you know, you guys have been working so hard to put out good content for so many different years and you kind of just build it brick by, by brick. But it proves to me, you know, not that, you know, you guys are definitely like have this special drive and this love and this passion for it. But it just proves to me, like I proved to my audience that anybody can do it. Like if Mm -hmm. you set your mind to it and you build it brick by brick, that you can build a really good brand and put out great content. And, and hopefully, like you say, you guys are part-time, but able to put more emphasis into it now and hopefully eventually make it a full-time gig. So man, I'm cheering you guys on and love all your guys' content. So keep up the good work. Will do, man. I appreciate it. Okay. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Fun conversation with Zach. Um, yeah, man. Those guys, um, they just have grit. And uh, they know how to hunt these places that are low densities, low populations, and be able to turn up bucks and bulls. So super impressed with these guys. I like their content they're putting out. Make sure to go check out that. Check out their podcast. And uh, thanks again for Zach coming on and sharing so much good information. I sure appreciate it. And uh, thank you guys for listening in. Uh, Of course, the reviews on um, iTunes, Spotify, things of that nature always help out. And the shares on social media as uh, we're just continuing to try to bring you the absolute best content to make you the best hunter we can um, over here at Eastman's Elevated. So, yeah, working hard. I've got some good recordings I'll be releasing here in the next couple weeks and then um, plans for more. So always grinding, working hard on this podcast to get you guys the absolute best content. So uh, really appreciate the support and the shares. Thanks to Eastman for their support and shares. Uh, Forever Barnwood, Everly Stock, Black Ovis, Camo Fire for their support. And um, man, yeah, it um, feels good. feels good to be working hard towards my goals. And it always feels good to start a new year, 2024, and uh, kind of set my sights high and um, start working towards those goals. So yeah, I've been grinding in the on the construction site and uh, we're closing in on on these couple homes they're turning out really nice good clients so yeah it's been good um trying to get all my outside stuff done and that bitter cold there for a couple weeks i think we saw 40 below at one point which is just gnarly um so it's just a pain to get anything done in that it's tough on tools rigs houses like you name it so it's kind of nice that we got a warm-up here able to go fishing with my good buddy Dylan Ness the other day. We'll get him back on the podcast too. He's great. Uh, loved like the spot and stock elk stuff that we were able to talk about. But yeah, I went fishing with him, just had an absolute riot. We went for it. We did, um, did a bunch of miles, caught a bunch of fish. And so that was super fun. So yeah, doing a little bit of that. And, um, yeah, I haven't, uh, haven't been back out mountain lion hunting, but definitely want to get back out with my buddy there and see if we can't put a chase on somewhere. And, um, yeah, just get ready for this 2024 season, man. I can't wait. So, um, yeah, just stoked. Just um, working hard. Been getting that consistency in just day in, day out of uh, uh, putting in the work to get better every single day, whether that's uh, my running, whether that's my uh, lifting, my pull-ups, push-ups, you know, squats, lunges, um, planks, things of that nature, just getting it in every single day, which is good and feels strong and mind sharp and, um, 
also good to spend some time with the family. We, that's my daughter's birthday today, so we went out to breakfast this morning and um, did that deal. And um, yeah, supporting her sport. She's been playing basketball, and um, yeah, she's playing good. So um, been fun to watch her uh, playing that, and and just fun to watch her like learn these life lessons and support her teammates, and um, to watch like per, pure joy on her face, like when she's down there playing when they, you know, when they win by a couple points, or um, you know, supporting her team or making shots, and she's putting in all the hard work just day in day out practicing and um, running and so it's nice to see it pay off for and see her learn these lessons through sports and through school and so that's been really cool so supporting her there and trying to give her good advice you know um, along the way as well but yeah her game's really coming along she's got a great little crossover and drive and making those layups you know when she was younger they used to go pretty hard off the backboard and now they're just all all sinking in which um you know it's so fun to see the improvement in her game but um yeah so that's been really fun and man just living life to the fullest just enjoying it and uh trying to be productive and efficient and effective so um man well that's a wrap guys uh thanks a bunch for listening into the podcast i appreciate it with that i'll check in with you guys next week